0: everybody. I'm not used to doing church on Sunday morning anymore because we do Sunday nights. I'm usually in my pajamas eating pancakes right now, but uh, this is a step up from that. Uh, I'm super excited to be here and I know God is here and God has a word for you. Uh, Before we jump into that, I just want to say thank you to the team and to Pastor Zach and Jenna. You guys have an incredible thing going here. Um, I know Zach says that he's the cow and everybody else is the horses, but the truth is to keep up with Zach is mission impossible Um, on literally anything, not just in speed of running, but mental speed like it is impossible to keep up with Zach. They are uh, they are trailblazers. They are people who love Jesus. And it is incredible to see what God is doing in this in this community. Um, And through you guys, because it's not just them, but the people, the volunteers who have showed up to make these things happen. Yes, that is a reflection of leadership's heart, but that's also a reflection of your heart for God, your heart for the calling that God has for you. So thank you guys so much for allowing me. Um, to be here. That is uh, me, my wife, and my daughter, Henley. And we do also have another one on the way. Three and a half weeks from now uh, is the due date for uh, Harper Rose. We're super excited to welcome her to the world. We also have two uh, four legged babies. We are those weirdos who call our dogs our babies, you know. So if that means you need to leave now, that's fine. You lost your respect for me, whatever. But it's good news that we're preaching God's word and not my words. So uh, you don't have to rely on the dog loving weirdo up here. Uh, you can rely on the Word of God. Uh, yes, it is Mother's Day, and I'm so excited that we have continued to uh, celebrate our moms, but can we make it a mission? Men in here, children in here, can we make it our mission not just to celebrate moms on Mother's Day? You guys, after two years ago when our, my first child was born, I had another level of respect for moms. I decided you guys are way stronger than us. And if we try to argue it, guys, you're wrong. Uh, you are absolutely wrong. You guys are so strong. And I'm also a product of a grandmother who I told everybody she plays patty cake with Jesus every night. She was one of those people that just loves God. And because of her love for Jesus it impacted my life. So thank you guys so much. And husbands, children, let's continue to celebrate them um, every day. Um We see some incredible moms in movies, and I use that incredible word loosely, and I say that because you'll understand when I tell you these movies. The first one, you have uh, the intense mothering of Waterboy. Anybody? Waterboy that generation? I would never fight that woman. I can tell you that much. Like, she, she could have been a linebacker on his team. Like, intense mothering of a kid. You see Forrest Gump's mom. And if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't know that life is like a box of chocolates. And where would we be if we didn't know that? Like, you see some incredible mothering in movies like The Blind Side and Sound of Music. And my daughter's favorite movie right now is The Incredibles and all of these moms. And I believe that you guys in here are superheroes as well. All of you have a couple goals in life. You have a couple things that you say to your kids, that you say to people, that it's your mission to teach them these few things, and that's what I want to walk through today. What would mama say? What would mama say? What would you say? And if you have your Bible, you can open up to John uh, chapter 19, and we're reading a very important part of the scripture, right before Jesus dies, he's hanging on the cross, he addresses his mother, and he also addresses one of his disciples. So if you're with me in uh, John chapter 19, we're starting at verse 25, and it says this, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciples, uh, the disciple took her to his home. I love this because the last step of action that Jesus took, so the next thing that he did was they gave him um, the juice from the spear, and that was to fulfill a prophecy. So this was the last intentional step that Jesus took before he died and said it is finished. He made sure that his family was taken care of. He made sure that his family was taken care of, and not just his literal family, his mother, but also his family who was one of his disciples. This teaches us something that's very, very, very important to life. And it's for us to remember to always take care of our family. Jesus was teaching us a lesson, not just your blood relatives, but yes, it is very important to take care of your moms and your moms to take care of you and so on and so forth and and to love your blood relatives. But Jesus was showing us how important family is when it comes to the body of Christ. It is your job Your calling to take care of the people who are next to you. That's why we have to move from this consumer Christianity to where we walk into a building of people we don't know. And remember that the people in this house are your family. It's not an option. It's a commandment to love your neighbor, to love your family. I just wanted to point that out because that's what mom's goals are. And that's what our goals should be is to take care of the family around us. In Harrisburg, we say, we the fam. Because we believe that this uh, idea of taking care of family, of all of us loving each other and not just doing church together but doing life together is so important. And I know that's part of your pastor's heart because that's part of the heart of Jesus. Make sure that you're taking care of your family. I love that Jesus entrusted one of his disciples with what we would say is his greatest earthly possession. He wanted his family to be surrounded by someone who loved him and would love them. Surround yourself with people who love each other and love Jesus. That's what my prayer is. I'm already praying slash cleaning my shotgun for the husband of my daughter in the future. I just want her to be around people who love Jesus. That's the goal. That should be our goal. Surround yourself with people who love Jesus and will love each other because that's what Jesus did. So what would mom say? What would mom say to John? What would your mom say to you today? Let's get some of the typical stuff out of the way on the behalf of the mother. Number one, clean your room. (laughs) I'm not asking, I'm telling. Oh, man, when she says your full name, woo! I don't know about y'all, but I grew up in a house. If the middle name comes out, you are either running or you start praying in tongues and pulling out your Bible immediately. When you have kids, I hope they're just like you. We'll go past that one. Don't use that tone with me, mister, missy. You better wipe that look off your face. Moms can be scary sometimes. Don't make me tell you again. Don't make Somebody said that this morning. They're giggling. Don't make me tell you again. I see. I told you. Don't make me come back there. Don't make me turn this car around. Yo, first time my mom stopped on the highway. Man. Moms love their kids. Moms love people. I pray to have a heart like that one day. When we look at these scriptures, you see the Person that Jesus connected his mother to was one of what we see in Scripture called uh, sons of thunder. John, along with his brother James, they were given this nickname of sons and thunder. And I believe that one of the things that God is saying to you today is to be a son and a daughter of thunder. Why? Why do I say that? Why were they nicknamed that? Well, let's look at what Scripture says. On one occasion, when the people in the village of Samaria were not responsive to the message of Jesus. It was James and John who wanted to call down fire from heaven on them. When Jesus spoke of his own impending death, about how he would be betrayed and then handed over to the Gentiles to be mocked, spit upon, scourged, and ultimately killed, James and John blurted out, teacher, we want you to do for us what we ask. Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in glory. Was this a good time to bring that up? It'd be like saying, really, can, can I have your car? To someone who just found out they only have one week left to live, these guys just said what they thought. Anybody know somebody like that? They just said what they're thinking and you praying for a filter on their behalf. <laughs> and they were just there like us, hopelessly human and remarkably unremarkable. But God transformed them. At the end of their lives, these men who were known as sons of thunder became known for something else. James was the first apostle to be martyred, and John would be known as the apostle of love. He was the author of the gospel of John as well as the epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. God made James and John into different people than they were before. And he can do the same for you today. Be a son and daughter of thunder. Thunder happens when lightning occurs. And if you look at this picture of lightning, uh, I'm not a scientist, but one thing I learned in school that I remember. If you look at the top and how lightning's actually formed, you see there's two connections coming up from the ground. And how it kind of changes in colors from a bright purple to it gets a little bit uh, more opaque of a color. And what actually happens in lightning is there's a beam that comes down from the heavens. But then there also has to be a beam that is coming up from the earth in order for it to connect lightning to be created and then thunder to sound. This is why I think this is such an incredible picture. Because in order for thunder to happen, In order for the atmosphere to be changed, in order for your city to be shifted, in order for your household to move, not only does heaven have to come to earth, but you have to bring praises up from the earth to meet heaven, and you see God move and change everything. See, God's constantly sending that bolt down from heaven. He's constantly sending down his spirit. He's constantly sending down uh, provision. He's constantly sending down blessing. He's constantly doing the work that he's doing but he's waiting for you to lift up praise. He's waiting for you to lift up your voice in prayer because the moment that you call down heaven from earth, those things meet and everything shifts. That's what John and James did. They were professionals at creating thunder, professionals at watching the atmosphere of where they were shift. You have to do your part in order for this city to change. God's doing his part. He's constantly working. It's never about his God speaking. It's always about your proximity to him if you can hear his voice. A couple months ago, my wife was screaming at me from the other side of the house. Wesley, and I didn't even hear. Alexa was playing Frozen. The TV was playing Moana. The dogs were barking. Henley was screaming something, playing her guitar. I don't know. But there was so much going on that I couldn't hear her voice. And I kept yelling at her to scream louder. And no matter how loud she screamed, I couldn't hear her. The reason I didn't hear her wasn't because she wasn't talking loud enough. It's because my proximity to her wasn't close enough. And until I drew close, I didn't hear her voice. That's what doing your part looks like. It's drawing close to Jesus. It's falling in love with Jesus. That's what your mama would say. That's what Jesus says. It's fall in love with him. In this passage, you see the attribute of John as the disciple who who, uh, loved Jesus. John was the disciple whom loved Jesus because John loved Jesus. Everybody looks at this and says, yeah, everybody loves Jesus. But he's the one person that he sits there and says, this guy loves Jesus. One of the words that the Lord brought to my spirit that I believe is convicting me and hopefully convicts some of us is that a lot of us have fallen in love with an outcome of a relationship with Jesus but not Jesus himself a lot of us have fallen in love with the idea that we get to spend eternity in heaven so that's why we raised our hand in church when we were eight but relationship never started you can love Jesus but you can also just love the idea of Jesus You can love the byproducts that a relationship with God comes and you hear that there's freedom. We've been talking about it all year. You hear that chains can't bind you. You hear that you're freedom from a destiny in hell. You're able to live in heaven with God. But can I tell you, that's not the same thing as loving Jesus. Do you love the outcome or do you love, love Jesus? Think about it like this. Do you love your wife or your mom or your dad, whoever's closest to you? Or do you love what happens because of that relationship? See, I can love the pork chops and sweet potatoes my wife cooked up yesterday. I can love that she is always the happiest and most encouraging person in the room. I can love the outcome and the perks of a relationship with her, but that's not the same thing as loving her. That's not the same thing as when times get tough. I love to spend time with her and hold her hand as tight as I did the day that we got married. Do you love Jesus or do you love the byproducts of a relationship with him? Are you spending time with him in the good times and in the bad times? Do you love him so much that all you want to do is be around him? When you show up on Sunday or you spend time in his presence, and can I tell you something, guys, the presence of God is here. Do you cling to it like it's something you never want to let go of? Or are you thinking about what's coming after this service? Do you cling to the word like it's the thing that brings you life? Or is it something that you go to for the cheat codes to life? Do you cling to the Father? Do you truly love, love Jesus? Because on judgment day, he's not going to say, do you know John 3.16? Do you have Philippians 4.13 tattooed on your chest and you've got the Christian lingo down? Did you attend church on a weekly basis? Did you give? Did you tithe? Did you serve? He's not going to ask you about all these things. It's, do you know me? Do I know you? Not do you know about me. Do you know me? Do you love Jesus? Because that's what your mama would say, man. That's the, that's the number one thing. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus and don't ever quit. Verse 26, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loves standing by. You see an elimination of an amount of people as Jesus is walking through this process all the way to the cross. First, there's 70 by him. Then he's got his 12 disciples. Then he's got three. And then there was only one. Only John followed Jesus all the way to the cross. Let me answer the question for you if you truly love Jesus. Are you willing to go with him where no other people will go? Are you willing to stand up for truth when truth isn't the popular topic? I know we're going to step on some toes this morning, but I'm going to tell you what. I will never sacrifice truth for someone's feelings. Jesus didn't do it. Why should I do it? I'm not going to walk around and tell, how dare you do this and do that? And I'm not conviction. That's the Holy Spirit. But don't sacrifice truth for making somebody feel more comfortable, making yourself feel more comfortable. Are you willing to go with Jesus places that no other people will go? John was willing to go all the way into the end. Some of the disciples probably didn't want to see him. Get the nails through his head and nails through his feet. And I don't know about you, but at any time I watch The Passion, I cringe. Anybody else? I almost have to turn away because I'm like, ah, oh, that just, that sounds terrible. You get chills and you start crying and you feel the pain. But Jesus doesn't call us just to a life of freedom and sunshine and rainbows. He calls us to sacrifice and suffering. To suffer with Christ is what we're called to do to feel the pain, to feel the broken heart for lost people? Are you willing to go wherever Jesus goes, no matter if it's popular or not? Can I tell you something? People of God today don't quit. Too many people quit when it stops being comfortable. But tenacity is so much more important than your talents. Tenacity will take you further than talent ever will. It's one thing I love about Pastor Zach. If there's one word I had to give this giant red-headed guy, it's tenacious, tenacious. Are you willing to push through when times get tough? Are you willing to go after God when things get uncomfortable? Are you willing to stand up when the world starts to bow, when everybody's pushing an agenda on you? Are you still holding to Jesus? Don't let your foundation be traded out. Don't let who you stand firm in be traded out. Out. Are you talking to Jesus? Not just talking about Jesus. Are you talking to Jesus? There's people all over history. You know, Michael Jordan. Most of you know these stories. Cut from his high school basketball team. Then becomes the greatest basketball player in the history of mankind. And if you think differently, you can leave now. <laughs> Henry Ford. Left a long-term job comfortable, did something far greater than we ever could have expected. You see, Babe Ruth, considered now as one of the greatest baseball players of all time, more nicknames than you can count. But what most people don't know is when he retired in 1935, he also held the record for most strikeouts in all of Major League Baseball. Trudged back to the dugout twice as often as he ran the bases. What was his explanation? He says, "I just go up there and I, and I swing. I just keep on swinging. I keep on swinging, and every strikeout brings me closer to a home run." I love that mentality. I love that mentality because what's sad is a lot of us strike out and we think the game's over. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, they tell a story of a guy. Who's a heavy set guy and he's at the plate. He gets walked a lot, but most of the time when he doesn't walk, he flies out, steps up to the plate, and swings strike one, swings strike two, hits the ball, starts running to first, and as he turns first, he trips and falls, and he just quits. But then all of a sudden, the crowd, begins to scream and what he thought was a failure ended up in a home run he got to get up and walk around the bases and can i tell you that's exactly what the enemy tries to do to us we take a swing and we try to be who god has called us to be and we pray for our kids and we we show up to church and we tell jesus how much we love him and we give in faith and we believe that god is going to do something great but when we don't see an immediate return or when we stumble, we just hang our heads in defeat. And the enemy says, see, you're not good enough. See, you, what you give doesn't matter. See, I'm going to end up getting your kids in my hands anyways. See, the temptations and the failures that they've had over and over again, that's me. I'm winning. Can I tell you something? Anytime that you put your faith in Jesus, losing's not an option. Can I tell you we serve an undefeated God and a lot of people think that him rising from the grave three days later was a comeback story It was never a comeback story He knew what he was doing the whole time God sent his son down just so that would happen. It wasn't a comeback story If you place your faith in Jesus, there's no comeback story God is an undefeated God The outcome may look different than you and I expected, but guess what? That doesn't mean it's in the loss column. God's not in the business of losing. God's not in the business of failing his people. God works out all things for those who love him. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Don't quit. Don't quit. One of the most inspirational characters in the world, in the history of mankind, changed the face of how we look at everything, Dory the Fish. That was a great buildup, wasn't it? Y'all were expecting something totally different. Dory the fish, if you haven't seen Finding Nemo, that's your homework today. Dory the fish has short-term memory loss. That's what she says. She'll be present for a few moments and then she'll forget. And Marlon, Nemo's dad, and they're on this, if you didn't catch it by the title, mission to find Nemo. Runs into Dory at one point and then they go on this journey and they get into trouble and they get in the middle of these waters that they are not familiar with. He doesn't know what to do and she starts singing this song Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do you do? You swim, swim, swim. Everybody with kids sang with me. He's like, What are you doing? Just keep swimming. I know it's uncomfortable. I know you feel like we're lost. I know you feel like we won't find it, but just keep swimming. Can I tell you, that's what God's saying to you today. Just keep swimming. That's what mama wants to say. Just keep swimming. No matter how old or young you are, the truth of it still remains the same. Put your faith in God and just keep swimming. I know that he's far away from God, mom. I know that you've been praying for a long time, but just keep swimming. I know the financial situation looks a little dark, but keep giving. Keep putting your faith in God and just keep swimming. I know it looks like the marriage is going in the wrong direction. Keep getting in your word and praying over each other and just keep swimming. The enemy wants to discourage you today. He wants to tell you to quit. He wants to tell you you're not worth it. He wants to tell you you have no destiny. You have no purpose. You have no calling. God has called you to greater things. It's time to stop quitting and just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Don't quit. Press it. Stay Up where you are with your hands raised to heaven. Lift your voices to God. Just keep swimming.